Hello and welcome back to yet another week of the Politibabble podcast, where this week we'll be looking into dictatorships. I'm Archibald Elliott, and as usual, I'm joined by my superb co-host, Oliver Sykes. And apparently this week we received a notice that uh, we received a complaint from someone that our music was the same as it was uh, three seasons ago, which is utter utter nonsense. Well, I'll interject there. Apparently it's not not good enough. If you have any, obviously, suggestions about some sort of uh, instrumental music that you like... We won't listen to you and we're keeping the same old, same old. Because, you know, as we say at Politibabble... It's not a democracy here. It's a, a dictatorship, as what as what we are talking about this week. Uh, I'm not sure. What, what are your thoughts on on the music, Oliver? Do, do you like it? There's only one correct answer, by by the way. <laughs> well, yes, it's not it's not too bad. Um, I, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> no, no. Just yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how's your how what, what's been really been going on this week? In the well, world of this politics? in the world of politics mm. or in the world of Oliver Sykes, Archie. Lord of the politics is only uh, only world which matters. Well, it's 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 <laughs> certainly been a long week. Um, what's been going on? Well, Partygate continues uh, with a very interesting PMQs yesterday. I mean, it has to be up there with one of the top PMQs. You know, the week before, everyone was going to say this is going to be one of the biggest PMQs. I think yesterday's PMQs was by far better than the previous ones. I mean, it's... Oh, it's no. my, that... my absolute favourite was when there were Keir Starmer, or Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson were absent. So they got filled in by Diane Abbott <laughs> and Dominic Raab. That, that was oh. uh, very entertaining. Well, I do have to say my favourite remark yesterday was when uh, Kia mentioned about the monarchy and obviously how there was um, apparently... Um, I'm not going to say there was because we'll wait for the Sue Gray report. Um, I know we're, we're not even on current affairs yet, but uh, yeah, basically they mentioned something about the, the royal family. You know, the Boris should apologise and um, one of the helpers to the speaker, I don't know what they're called, I'm afraid, um, turns around to the speaker and says, oh, you're not supposed to mention the royal family. And um, he, um, the speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, goes out and... Uh, we do not mention the royal family uh, in this honourable court. Um, you know, I don't think he said, please remove those remarks. But anyway, um, Boris then stands up, uh, remove the remarks at once, sir. And uh, then the, there's people, his front, Boris's front bench are going, come on, just sit down. And, um, you know, we had Angela Rayner and waving on <laughs> waving on the, the Labour Party front bench. It's certainly been an interesting week. But as we say... We, uh, you know, I've, I'm being controlled at the moment on my choice of whether I can say whether I like the music or not. We're going to be talking about dictatorships this week. I'm not sure this has been covered before, has it? On on Police Babble? I can't remember. Unfortunately, I, I don't have a. He's been a brainwashed. Memory. You've been brainwashed. I'll have to wait till Suge's report tell tells me if we have done it before mm. or we haven't done it before. But until then, I really uh, I can't say anymore. But you have been brainwashed. You're not. You know, you are being. Uh, brainwashed? No, 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 no. No one's brainwashed here. Well, we just all think alike. Very good, very good. Well, I have to say, a dictatorship. Um, if if you do not know, uh, which we're all about explaining things on Politibabble, breaking it down and making it easier for under, for people to understand. So, I do, sorry, just 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 before you start, I have a new idea for a new game to play on Politibabble. Oh no! Uh, I, I think I think I should start this. I'm bringing it next week, maybe. But you can bring again, it in no, today if no, you want. No, ah, no, it's a game. Can you avoid the question? 
So there's a politician round where we have to. Oh yeah. Where, where can yes. we win the question? I think that that that, oh, that's actually making it. Get like a good uh, little. Um, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, we've got to do this uh, today, guys. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, a dictatorship is a form of government characterized by a single leader or group of leaders that hold government power, promise to the people, and little or no toleration for political pluralism or independent media. Um. And obviously, as we know, probably one of the most iconic dictatorships has to come from Adolf Hitler um, in Nazi Germany. If I'm why, not... did it, why did I think he'd come up? <laughs> why did you think he'd come up? Yes, I know. I wonder why. Oh. I wonder why. Well, yes. Um, anyway, Archie, I, I want to pose a question to you first, um, which is sort of one of the questions we were going to aim for the, the breadth of the podcast. But I thought we'll, 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 um, we'll widen it out to just, you know, that is part of the podcast but we'll, we'll widen it out to dictatorships itself but it's more of a question uh, to you really is there any good in dictatorial regimes do you find any part of them uh, good in any sense i think yes there is a benefit to dictatorial regimes i think Again, there's an example of uh, one of uh, Pakistan's... Pakistan's in 2002, they had a sort of quasi-dictator. Quasi but in some circumstances, I think, where there's a weak democracy which can't necessarily control uh, the region, it can't control very dangerous political, dangerous economic times, uh, or even global re ethnic or religious instability, I think then one unifying dictator, which is there almost as a benevolent uh, dictator, can actually be very useful. Uh, because they're able to unite behind the country, they're able to provide a consistent policy, rather than if you have a weak, di a weak democracy, it's all squabbling over, nothing gets done, and then usually it's over and outrun by corruption, uh, or other leaders which, which are a dictatorship without seeming a dictatorship, but they don't have power and it just gets factional, it gets very messy. Mm. So I think in some, some circumstances, a strong dictator who is the nation's best interests at heart is more beneficial than a very squabbly, messy and weak democracy. Mm. Only in the case that, obviously, a democ democracy would be a dictatorship any day. But the very problem is, in, in certain circumstances, when with mass instability in the country, a very weak government is worse, almost, than no government. Very good. Um, I mean, we sort of go back to the pandemic, and I always love to to draw in these analogies of comparing, you know, always bringing the Alaman into it because, you know, this is where we are, this is where we're based. Quite a lot of our listenership is, is you know, uh, citizens of the Alaman. Obviously, we have people from all over. Well, we don't know. We should get the analytics out. We are out, going to get sure. our Dick analytics out. out soon. Hopefully, yes. we'll get some uh, great facts which we can distribute out onto our pages <laughs> and really <laughs> show what Politibabble's about. Yes. Um, but people sort of said that you know the Alaman was under some sort of dictatorship in in the times of covid um especially um sort of how can i put it um signs that you know uh, howard quayle was sort of a, a bit of a, a bit of a dictator and i have to sort of disagree with that but in some sense you know with his control over a lot of things uh you know with the likes of the media can only ask two questions and <laughs> things like this you know he, he did take quite a control on on how things went but it was the times that we lived in during then and you know it we did sort of have to be dictated in a sense um but a very interesting uh, news article has been uh, come out very recently maybe not by a news source which is uh, too keen to my uh, fellow colleague over there um but it is 
interesting nevertheless, which is that the US could be under right-wing dictator by 2030, a Canadian professor warns. What was the news source by any chance? Well, <laughs> it was um, a fellow who wrote it called Richard Luscombe, who was... Um, but what was Writing written on in? behalf of The Guardian. Ah, yes, yes. I, I thought so. <laughs> but The Guardian thinks uh, the country uh, is already being... Sh- should be run by another country, as, 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 as the Yes Minister sketch put it. Um, it well, actually, that might have been Mirror or Daily Star, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but, the, yeah, The Guardian is uh, inter- interesting, interesting news. But I don't think the US will be under a right, right-wing dictatorship because it has a massive movement, especially at the moment, where there's a lot of um, lot of wokeism to mm. to put to put the buzzword out there. There's a lot of wokeism. It's almost they they go overhyped. They cancel people for doing silly little things where you'd think uh, was as ridiculous was going on here. So I, I think it it wouldn't really end in a right wing dictatorship because you would always have a historical. Uh, evidence even suggests this, I suppose. You'd always have those two sides. They'd have the Democrats and Republicans who would never agree. So it would yeah. more split the country rather than ending up in a dictatorship. There'd be civil unrest if if, if it was, at least. Very good. Mm. Do, do you think you'll end up in a, a right-wing dictatorship? No, by no, I, I don't think so. I think um, it'd be better if it did than... Oh, not a right-wing dictatorship, a right-wing government, sorry, which is democratically elected, not a dictatorship. Uh, that That would certainly be better than what we have currently. Uh, which is more akin, I'd say, to no government with uh, with uh, Joseph Biden in power. Joseph Biden. That's the first time I've ever heard him be referred to as Joseph. Uh, I think that's his full name. Uh, unless he was actually just named Joe to start. No, it is Joseph. Joseph Robinette uh, Biden Jr. <laughs> I was correct. Oh. Very good. Um, so... Moving on for this, do you have any anything you'd like to to put on on uh, on record at all, Archie? On did Oliver run out of ideas here? No, absolutely not. I've I've got got more of an agenda to, to go ah, through. Well, I would like to ask Oliver. Does Oliver think a dictatorship can be justified? Um, throw back the same question he sprung on me earlier without warning. No, not really. I don't think it's it's fair. It can uh, never be justified. Again, I, it's a difficult. Mm. It's it, that is a difficult question, Archie. Um, <laughs> you pose the same one to me. Yeah, no. Only fair. Only yeah. fair. Um, can they ever be justified? Well, I suppose if you look at it, not particularly. No, you know, under certain circumstances, would you know? Is it fair that a country is dictators? I mean, not really. No. But let's in po- a short let's, answer, no. Let, no let's, let's pose an interesting uh, hypothetical situation where we have. I a... don't do hypotheticals, Archie. I'm afraid that's what a lot of um, that's what a lot of people on there that have come on. Uh, sorry, my, one of my favourite news uh, channels is Sky News, and uh, one of their presenters, Kay Burley, she loves to do hypotheticals, and all the uh, Tory uh, ministers or uh, backbenchers that come on there that is pro- probably at the, it's usually at the moment that are in support of Boris um, come on and and. Uh, and Kay will give them hypotheticals and they go, sorry, Kay, I just don't do hypotheticals. I, you know? I, I think the, the main reason behind that with hypotheticals is because 
they actually want to say what they would say with a hypothetical, but they know it won't look good if they yes. say it. So it's actually a hypothetical will reveal what they actually think. Yeah, it's basically... But they refuse to answer them because they don't want to see, show what they Because that's think. what they're actually thinking. Yeah, yeah, anyway, give me a hypothetical. Anyway, I'll give you a hypothetical. Away. So let's say we have a country in, let's say, Western Europe, so we're not okay. being any sort of xenophobia or whatever that they want to name it now. So let's say we're a country in Western Europe, a small member state. Um... And it's going through a difficult economic period, a difficult kind of social reconstruction period, and the government's quite weak. It can't control. It's very factionally split, and the coalitions keep on breaking up. No one can really form a government. But then we have one leader who is really in the best interest of the people. So he's a very benevolent leader. Mm-hmm. And he's risen to power. He's the strongest leader. And he says, OK, Parliament, look here. I'm very, very good at my job. I'm looking after the people. He has best interest. He takes the country's consideration and generally he'll provide good care for people. He'll provide freedom of business. He'll provide health care. He'll provide support. He'll provide all the things we'd love in a modern state. And all of the people think, yes, we, we like him. 90, 98% of people polled would vote, for, would, would put him in power. And the parties all would, would back behind him, but he doesn't want to be attached to any party. And he says to the, the parliament here, it's getting a bit convoluted, he says to the parliament here, put me in charge, put me as a dictator uh, for, for a 10-year period, put me in charge with absolute power so I can, make, I can create a better situation for the country. Again, look at there, 98% of the country agree and would support this man being, being their leader and having absolute power. Would you, would you say that would be an acceptable scenario? No, but you, again, there wouldn't be an election for ten years, so they might yeah. change his mind, and he gets absolute reign. Would you? Would you not agree with that scenario? Not particularly, no. Because interesting, they can they can uh, you know manifest what they want to do, but they can always change their mind. And when you're under a dictatorship, anything could happen to their desire. But but he's a very he's he's a his track record has been an honest man. Well. <laughs> I go, yes, an honest yeah. man can change that. It is a fallacy yeah. there. Yeah. But if uh, you... I yeah, you know, I see I see where you're coming from there, but I still am not entirely convinced on the I on the on the premise that um that they will, could change their mind and it would be incredibly dangerous for the country. That is my problem with dictatorships. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I usually would support d- democracy, but there are certain aspects where it can't be denied that problems in our democracy arise when we have immense amounts of partisanship mm. where we have a government f- swings in one year which is left wing three four years later it swings back and it's right wing it goes tiktok really not like the the app it's, it's a tiktok like yeah. a pe- pendulum on a clock and we see the policy shift from one mm. extreme to the next extreme back to the same extreme and which is not it, good for and a country. It's, it's very damaging to the it country is, yeah because again you might have a for example look at the issue of climate change uh, again, some policies take five years to even get off the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, you introduce that in second year of your premiership, introduce it five years, you get voted out the next election and you're replaced by a nationalist party who thinks climate change is a myth. Yeah. And again, they only polled at 43% of the I mean, this is, this is the a problem sometimes when you have hmm. two parties um, that, you know, let's say in the case in the UK at the moment, two parties... That are entirely different. It's that, that's not really happening. They're sort of <laughs> they're not entirely different. They are, but they're not two ends of the, yeah, di- they're, the political spectrum. Mm. They're not too far from each no. other. Um, and when you do have them two that are 
that are sort of the top two that are different ends of the spectrum you're always going to have that one in the middle um but like but like you say when you're switching between the other two it's quite dangerous but when you get to a uh, you know a standstill and perhaps a dictatorship is the only way forward yeah my only premise is the the sort of hypothetical that you proposed there i would agree in some sense but only on the fact that if this leader was not going to go back on his word and not mm. going to be damaging towards the country. Um, I think that, that that is that is the one danger of a dictatorship is power, power hungriness. Really, yes. I think that, that I would agree with you that that is one certain danger. Um, again, I think democracy again has its massive flaws. We 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 have, there's there's flaws in everything. We yeah, do, there's flaws in absolutely really. everything. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no perfect. We, we will never be satisfied um, because yes. we are human and. Everyone is different. Well, what's what's next on your gender plethora of questions? Uh, um, well, um, most dictators over the you know the past number of years have have been incredibly damaging towards society. Are there any dictators, Archibald, that um, that you that you found that, that were good um, f- for the world? That were good for the world. Yes. Is that as? How would you define good? <sighs> this should be more of a uh, <laughs> philosophical show, but um, how would I define good? Yeah, no, but what's good in this context? Is there criteria where we can judge if they're good or bad? Are they? Or do I think they're good? Yes. Is that, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I think there's some who have started started their dictatorship and being beneficial, but they all seem to demise near the end. They all seem to get bad and then actually end up... It's almost if you imagine this sort of arc or palabra, which goes there, we do this in maths, but you you have an arc or palabra, but you're throwing something off a cliff and it goes... You're throwing something on the ground and your flat plane, it'll go up and it'll go down, except this time it's not going down, it's going over the edge of the cliff. So yes, it starts to go up, it starts to do really good. When it reaches the peak of its goodness, it then starts to go down. But the problem is, it doesn't go down to the same level you were where you started. It ends up going further down, like it gets exponentially worse. So it's almost the height, the, the good at height it reaches, it'll reach that level of badness at the end. Because almost all dictators will overstay their welcome. It's almost you want a dictator to be in charge for 20 years and say, amicably at the end, yep, I've done my time now, I've left the country in a better place, I think I'll leave now. But all of them just want to stay, they outstay their welcome. And that's one of the key flaws in a dictatorship. I think one of the an interesting dictator I find, which is the the leader of uh, Cote d'Ivoire, or at least the leader post-independence of Cote d'Ivoire, who ruled for about 30 years, um, Félix Foy-Barny. He's a fascinating, fascinating uh, political animal. So for the first, I'd say, roughly 20 years of his rule, it was, it was again, one party ruled, he ruled, he made the decisions, and the country prospered. The country had good economic growth. It had good... Uh, it was, his main export in Cote d'Ivoire is cocoa, uh, and it and it had massive benefits of him leading the country there, and we saw that. But then towards the end of those twenty years, he uh, ruled for another ten after that. He then something went wrong where it turned out he didn't. He decided to have, he he had this project of grandeur and he wanted to build a new capital uh, and his tribal homeland. I can't pronounce, quite pronounce the name there of his tribal homeland, and he built this massive basilica, which is a replica of Saint Peter's basilica uh, in the Vatican City. 
and it cost a lot of money. So he took the money out of a cocoa stabilization fund, which he used, which originally was used to when the surplus price of cocoa was sold and the price was high, it went into the fund. So that when the price was low, it subsidized the farmers. So the farmers would always get a consistent fair price, which seems fair. And he embezzled the money then about 20 years, 15, 20 years in uh, and built a Blitzker. Uh, built, built, built in, squandered on other schemes. And the problem there was that was when the cocoa price was high. So there was no problem with the cocoa farmers getting a good wage. But then mm. that hit 25 years later. Well, we saw the massive denies of the cocoa price. It massively shot down. And then the farmers were like, hello, we need payment. And it turned out the co- they then discovered the cocoa fund was totally bust. He actually still continued to rule to his death, but he introduced a multi-party election system where it then looked like he vote-rigged. Even though he did earn a lot, of, he, he, again, he had massive respect to the people because he was their independence figure, but he started to really demise. It was almost his decisions just turned bad. So I think that's the main key problem with dictators. They always, in, lot, in not all cases, but in some cases, they start off good and they end bad. And that's, I say, the the good in inverted commas type inverted commas type of dictator that's that's the model which they seem to follow there's no, I, I wouldn't necessarily identify one which i've come across which has been uh, beneficial all the way all, all the way right are there any dictators you think are, are particularly beneficial um oh, um not particularly i mean i've not really ever ever looked very closely into you know, I've looked sort of quite widely at dictators, but never really focused on their mm. sort of full kind of reign in a way. Well, there, there is another um, one I would mention, alongside the one I wouldn't mentioned, is uh, is Tito, the former leader of Yugoslavia, which is he's, he's anti-Stalin in the end, I think, or viewed as anti-Stalin, but he's actually seen as a widely benevolent dictator, uh, and he was quite a unifying signal, uh, symbol in that country. So I think. There are examples here. He saw a lot of uh, prosperity, really. Uh, period of prosperity in, in the economy, worker self-management. So he, he again, had certain aspects. So there's some dictators which, which weren't so awful and they were known necessarily worse than the modern democracy, apart from the fact that it wasn't a democracy mm. and the people couldn't choose whether they supported him or not. Uh, but to, to use an erroneous example, we see maybe dictators such as Mao in power, how Mao was... Again, seeing the cult of Mao, his personality cult, he was massively revered in China, uh, even to his death. And people were very, still now, don't like to criticise him. He's always come back as a resurgence. People forget the evil that he did and the famines that he caused and the main project, the Great Leap Forward. He really had many failings there. It failed, had mass starvation. Uh, and the Cultural Revolution, they, they, they again, they tend to gloss over these aspects. So people maybe remember their dictator in a benevolent way when it's not necessarily true mm-hmm. because they've had this, this mass form of power. Well, in terms with, of, of countries with dictatorships uh, around the world, um, an interesting fact is that... Care to as, name any? Sorry? Care to name any dictatorships, current? Um, well... I say China is... China, they have... They are democratically elected the Communist Party. Right. Name another one. Um, President of Cuba. President of Cuba. Interesting. I don't know too much about Cuban politics, so I can't necessarily comment. Uh, Any others? There there must be more you can... uh, Actually, no, I, I disagree there. 
Cuba is a democracy. It's a people's democracy, as it likes to call itself. Like China calls it the the, the People's Republic of China. Well, I have a, I have a list here, Archibald. Go, of, go to another of, one. Of dictators around the world. So, um, hmm. I'm just, I'm just going to rebut all your dictatorships. Well, sorry for the for the for the silence, but uh, we'll go for. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick one uh, that I. There's there's loads of famous ones you got. I'm sure you can nail the top of your head. Oh, of course, Kim Jong Un. Sorry, no, Oliver. I will disagree with you there because it is in the country's name. It's the um, Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Democratic, Oliver. It can't be a dictatorship. Right. There's a really interesting point about dictatorships, though. Well, it's a fascinating this is what point I'm saying is I'm getting this from a... It's because dictatorships nearly always have democratic or republic in the name of the country. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's that juxtaposition. It's if you have to tell someone you're honest, it means most likely you're not honest. Just like if you tell someone you're democratic and you have to put it in the name, you're most likely not democratic. Well, from the established website I've come from, this is where they are labelling people as dictators. And it does say that as of 2020, you may argue, uh, but it says there's 52 nations with a dictator or or authoritarian Mm. regime ruling the country. Obviously, Archibald's there up for for a different discussion, um, which is completely uh, up to him. If he wants to uh, to differ on that, that's completely up to him. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> lots of silence in, in, in this episode, it appears. Shall we move on to current affairs, or is there anything else that you wish to Oh, you run out. About? <laughs> we can happy to move on to current affairs, Oliver. Yes. Very good. I have a fascinating list of current affairs uh, to, to go through. Uh, well, what do you want to start with, necessarily? Uh, Actually, no. What's your final view? What's your fin- do you have a final uh, thing for dictatorships, which you'd like to say? Um, not particularly. It's just mainly that I um, think, think that dictatorships are rather damaging. Damag- damaging? Interesting. I would probably agree with you there, actually. We're not too necessarily different on this. We need to get, we need to become different, Archibald, on this podcast. We've been too close at the moment. Hopefully, uh, a guest will be very intimate, yes. and we're going to actually, hopefully, get some sort of plan um, produced um, yes. for the for the coming weeks. So we um, we need to hope we hopefully, we need to ask if we can get a guest in the studio. I think we should hopefully by now. Yes, yeah, as long as the COVID are. restrictions. Yeah. But yes. Sorry, I keep on bringing back the fanfare because now we're moving on to current affairs. And this week we're going to be addressing the current affairs issues of the UK first, rather than the Isle of Man, as is so ever common. So this week it's been quite an interesting uh, week, I feel. So we have Sue Gray, the second Parliament Secretary at the Cabinet Office, has been asked by Boris Johnson to look into accusations of parties held at Number 10 Downing Street in a formally asked about it, uh, in turn formally asked about him. So the news reports have... I should put some news and music on. But the... The the news reports have been continuing throughout newspapers this week and more revelations have been coming to light with Dominic Cummings, the Prime Minister's former chief advisor, saying he warned Johnson in advance for one of 40... For about one for 40 people in the Garden on 20th of May 2020 and said, quoted, 
you've got to grip this madhouse. We've seen, I think, David Davis uh, telling Boris Johnson in God's name, go. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about Operation Red Meat from Boris Johnson, where he's raving this red meat at the dogs, trying to... uh, throw them off the scent uh, of his trail and plenty of examples we'll go into there we see a solicitor and spy for China which we talked about last week Christian Lee uh, giving a lot of money to parliamentarians and abroad we saw Novak Djokovic being deported uh, I think that, that's that's new to this week after the judges upheld a decision by the immigration minister in Australia we see Anthony Blinken which is the US Secretary of State uh, who visited Ukraine and Britain uh, oh, visited Ukraine and Britain supplied the country with short range anti-tank missiles with defence against Russia we see Microsoft planning to buy the games company activation activization blizzard which can talk about some sort of a corporate dominancy there uh and obviously we saw the uh tsunami hitting tonga so just a few items in this week's just a affairs. few yeah just a few yes so yes we'll first address i think the sue gray report well what do we make of it oliver well there is no current report published. no I mean, well, what do you think of what's going to happen well, I believe that the report will establish the facts. But uh, what do you believe those facts might be? Well, I, I can't believe anything at the moment apart from the, the main evidence, which is there was... Do you believe there was a party? I believe that there was a gathering which was not uh, in appropriate circumstances. Um, but, but do you think it was a party? It was BYOB, Oliver. Yes, I believe it's. I believe it was a party. There we are. We finally got Oliver to give an answer. Well, the problem We're is, the politician is round here. questioned in a way which is, you know, more. What is a party? Do I, you know, was it a party? I don't know. Yes, from the, you know, I. Cannot... Do you think? No, basically, I think our overarching question, which I think hopefully it was established. Do you think Boris Johnson broke the rules? Yes. Yes. There we are. But what I can't understand from a man who, you know setting the rules himself, has been in intensive care. Now, the whole thing, you know, we don't really see... We don't really see much as Boris, as, as you know, f- from a, a personal point of view. We don't see him... You know, there's a lot of him... As much as, you know, we see him uh, talking about... Uh, politics a lot but he's not very he's not very open with his you know he doesn't like talking about his private life uh does he at all really um which is perfectly fair i think private life is different to public life yes in in some respect but um you know for for a i'm I'm not going to go into that sort of thing but um you know for someone that's been had COVID and was intensive care, and I'm not sure whether it, him being in intensive care was a precaution or that he genuinely was very sick. He, uh, he was, he, he, he yeah. Was. But I, I think the only part, the more part, the part here, which I think is the key rule: you either don't break the rules which you make, or don't get caught breaking them. Mm-hmm. That I think that's that he's failed here. He's broken the rules and he's got caught breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. Caught breaking, break, breaking the rules, which is something you don't do. Uh, because after all, if he wasn't caught, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's about to hear it, it doesn't make any sound. Mm-hmm. The, the famous quotation goes, we wouldn't know that he broke the rules. And will the yes. rules be broken if we didn't know? Again, I wouldn't say we should break the rules because it's very hypocritical of him. Yes. Um, 
Do you believe he he must go, Archie? Uh, yes, I, I agree with David D- Davis's quote and saying, "In God's name, go." No matter, uh, I, I, I quote the, I can quote the rest of it, but that was the main essence of his of his quote. Mm-hmm. He, he he is a sitting duck almost now. But I think it's dangerous at this point for the Conservative MPs to send in their letters of no confidence to Graham Brady, the chair of the 1922 committee. And if you're not necessarily sure what the 1922 committee is, it's the backbench, it's the backbench committee for Parliament, for the Conservative Party, and uh, it, it takes confidence votes against Prime Ministers, basically, or other matters relating to the Parliamentary Conservative Party. And if 54 uh, MPs sign uh, is 15% of the parliamentary conservative party put letters of no confidence in the prime minister a confidence vote is called and then 182 if they vote against him then he loses confidence and he has to go for a leadership election but the key part here is they don't want to send it in too early because if they send it in too early they don't have the support of 182 mps then boris johnson could win the confidence vote and they can't force him out for another 12 months that would be dangerous well for the for the party's future because he must go at some point within the next year i mean i'm not really keen on anyone you know from his his cabinet really taking not Dishi rishi sunak um i don't mind that he's been uh, <laughs> that he's been putting you know putting the money out certainly not um nadine dorries she's awful um she is probably one of the... How about Pretty Patel? I think she's pretty good, don't uh, you agree? No, I'm not a fan. Uh, Didn't ever appreciate the pun. That's what I have to deal with day in, day out on the Pitbull podcast. <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> uh, yes, no, not, not a fan of... of Liz Truss? Uh, not a particular Dominic fan. Dominic Raab? No, not a fan. Michael Gove? Um, not, not, a, not a huge fan. Jacob Rees-Mogg? Not a fan at all. Uh, what's, the, what's the other one? Uh, Penny Mordaunt? Uh, oh, not not too familiar. Savage Javid? Uh, no, not him. Ooh. Jeremy Hunt? Ooh, no, thanks. I'm not a fan of any. I'm not a fan of any. Why do you not really. Jeremy Hunt? I I I'm just not a fan of of, of any of the cabinet really. He's not. Um, a, he's not a cabinet minister. Well, he's the chair of the health select committee. I know, but we were talking about the cabinet. Yeah, but Jeremy Hunt isn't cabinet. He's a front runner though. Still, arguably, he ran against Boris Johnson in the 2019 leadership campaign. Well, um, yeah, I thought we were more or less, um, but yeah, no, I just don't, just I just don't really want a... I guess Oliver just isn't, as he said many times before, he isn't conservative, and I think yeah. it's just evidence of that. Well, I don't want really, um, <laughs> a conservative leadership, really. Interesting. Uh, I think Oliver would much prefer the generous leadership of Count Binface, the monster-raving, uh, loony party in power. Well, I wouldn't mind Theresa May back. I thought she was quite good. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Well, let's uh, now talk, I think, about Operation Red Meat. I'm sure you've heard of it now, haven't you, Oliver? Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I, and just going back on that point, you know, many of those ministers uh, have broken the ministerial code, um, and that is mainly why I think I the majority of those to. hadn't. But a, a fair few of them have. Well, which ones? Um, pretty sure Pretty Patel has, uh, Nadine Dorries has... Um, I think Dominic Raab probably has as well. Um, the, the, the majority haven't, though. At least, they, uh, no, the majority haven't been caught. Yes. I think it's the key part there. Yeah. 
we don't necessarily know what goes behind closed doors. But yeah, going back to Operation Red Meat, this is one where the leadership is trying to distract backbenchers from the Prime Minister uh, by announcements and new policies. We see Nadine Doris, which is Oliver's favourite MP in the world, uh, who's Culture Secretary, uh, said the BBC will now have its licence fee frozen uh, for two years and its licence fee announcement will be the last. It will come out of play in 2027. The UK government will now no longer fund the licence fee. What do you think of that decision? Um, Should the Beeb continue having its funding? I think the Beeb do a, a pretty good pretty good job. Um, you you reshared something on uh, on uh, Instagram the other day, didn't you? You know, does the um, arguing is is the Beeb left? Is the Beeb's uh, <laughs> right? Who knows? Kind of. Well, thing. yes, because the left argue that it's a Tory. Uh, leaning organisation and the Tories argue that it's a socialist leading uh, uh, news organisation so I think it's actually just doing its job of staying neutral and questioning everyone uh, I quite like the Beeb it doesn't beat the FT though uh, out of everything uh, well I think another part which is interesting what do you take of the Novak Djokovic position um, well, it's interesting that he, he, he finally got kicked out, wasn't it? Um, yes, the main reasoning was being that he would uh, incite, or incite the anti, the anti, uh, what, anti-vax movement in Australia. Yeah. Which is a bit silly because actually deporting him incites the anti-vax movement more. Yeah, I mean, he's... Um, mm. Yeah... I suppose from a professional, you know, if it was anyone else, they wouldn't have been allowed in anyway, would they? Um, well, we don't know. Yeah, but obviously... I, I think they, a... if it was actually anyone else, they probably would have been allowed in if they had the exemption. But they like to make an example out of high-profile figures. But interestingly, did you see the news in Hong Kong? No, I didn't. Where 2,000 hamsters are now being culled and people being told to bring their hamster if they bought it from a certain pet shop because 11 hamsters tested positive for COVID. Wow. Poor hamsters, I say. It's a bad time to be a hamster in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Well, also coming up on the final one is corporate dominance. We see uh, Microsoft is going to buy the games company, as I'm sure you're aware of. Uh, oh, yes. Act- Activision Blizzard. Is that how you pronounce it? No, Activision. Activision. Activision Blizzard, which owns Call of Duty Candy Cross uh, for $68.7 billion. Wow. Do you think that's a good... That, obviously, it's a good move for Microsoft, but do you think it's good for uh, anti-competition rules or monopolising sectors? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's not It's not the best, um, but I suppose it's giving competition to other uh, users for the likes of uh, PlayStation or... Is it giving um, competition? Because Microsoft are buying them out. It's stopping competition. But it's making... It's making for for example the likes of PlayStation having to compete against mm. Microsoft you know um i mean it's always going to be a, a long um standing competition but it's not the, the Xbox or PlayStation uh well i have an Xbox so and you're Andy Rint questioning here <laughs> yeah i have an Xbox so i would probably prefer a, a PlayStation but uh yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure Microsoft will now have your head over. You'll no longer be able to use Windows. So back batter down on you with bit with big tech, big tech. Uh, but yes, that does conclude my uh, interesting, interesting overview of UK news. So I shall leave it to you now. Oliver. Excellent. Well, uh, coming to my favourites. 
Well, we obviously had the uh, January sitting of, of Timwald this week, and there was a, going to be a debate on the island plan, which was only released a, a, a week ago, uh, but that was halted by uh, Timwald vote. Uh, eight MHKs voted against it, um, against discussing the, discussing the vision, as they not had enough time to process it and speak to their constituents. Moving on, um, there has been a f- the first ever case of avian flu on the Isle of Man, says the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture. As well as that, uh, we have the mountain road to close for six weeks. It's more of a rather less political, but it is more of a, an infrastructure. Uh, it's one of the busiest roads on the island. The island's legal services are to go under a robust uh, review. Um as well as that, waiting times for child mental health services are simply not acceptable, says the Minister for the Department of Health and Social Care. Um, on top of that, we also have that almost £6 million has been spent on LFTs since the part of the pandemic and 5 to 10% of pupils wearing face coverings. There we go. Well, if we look at the first one, I find it interesting that po- politicians say five days isn't enough to analyse a plan which is only about 23 pages and speak to their constituents because what they can do and what lots of them should do is use social media. And if they use social media effectively, it's quite easy to gather large-scale views. And you can go around and say to your constituents, hi, phone me or speak, or email me. I'll mm-hmm. have a meeting if you, if you have any queries about this. I, uh, or yeah. Send in an email. Five days is plenty of time. I think there was just a petty backbench revolt against trying to implement a plan for government so the government can actually go and get on with, with its processes and get some stuff done. Well, as Mr Cannon has repeatedly said, you know, the government are here to mm. tackle the issues of the day. And it's um, unsure why they couldn't be yeah, in five days. I mm. mean, it's true. A lot of the MHKs... Um, their social media use of, of the best of times is not adequate um, and is not always used in the best of ways and or is not engaging enough. Um, so that is mainly the, the entire problem. Hmm. Um, but I, I do believe we need to start cracking on. Um, I mean, there were MHKs that it wasn't just simply um, those reasonings. There were there were multiple reasonings to why they didn't um, vote for it. Um but yes, that was one of them. Um, moving on, unless there was anything else you wanted to say, Archie. No, I think that covers it. Oh, well, masks. Yes, masks yes, yes. So I was going straight on to masks. So um, there's been an update given to Timwald, which is that um, about five to seven percent of pupils are wearing face coverings, despite the education department stating that uh, it is expected of students. How did they gather these statistics, though? I find it very confusing. What what counts as wearing a mask? Does it mean I wore a mask once in the school day? Or does um, it mean I wear it around the corridors? It's very, very hard. Even we looked at our music uh, our music class the other day, there's only about four of us and a teacher. Well, one of us was wearing a mask. The teacher put on his mask just to prove a point, and he said, well, well I don't know, I think one of us just put on a mask to prove a point, and he was like, well, no, we look at it. Now, 50 now, 40% rather than 20% of us are wearing a mask. We've almost doubled the figures for mask wearing. Is that how uh, these statistics are, well, are, are I, discovered? I, I, I'm pretty sure they did They did state how the statistics um, were, were saying inappropriate circumstances. So, obviously, if you were, um, I don't know, outside walking on your way into school, you probably weren't wearing a mask. So, it wasn't someone outside counting the numbers. Um, but... 
Aubrey Castana Malou, uh, MHK. Jason asks a lot of questions. Morehouse um, was asked for the figures and described the uptake as concerning. And uh, Jason's been rather um, prominent in asking questions regarding uh, face coverings. <laughs> and um, yes, him and, and the minister um, seem to to be uh, to be uh, speaking a lot regarding masks and Jason wants an answer he speaks uh, too much regarding masks I'll say that quite bluntly too much <laughs> it, it, it's all that goes on and he says he speaks to several students as politicians you say they speak to several students and they want to have masks in schools I asked the majority of my peers and I told him if you ask the majority of my peers you will not have a single person you'll have maybe one person or two people out of a hundred who will say yes let's wear masks the majority of my peers think it's ridiculous we're being asked to expected to wear masks because frankly they're uncomfortable to wear for long periods indoors we're already having the windows blown open and it's freezing inside it's, it's, it's honestly now ridiculous he and, has no uh, clear po- and, no and clear evidence for it and now we're learning to live with it at the height of the pandemic yeah the isle of man said that masks you know were always I, a personal choice yeah and I, at the end yeah. of the day the, the isle of man's you know the data wasn't as clear as it, it was now on masks, but still, it's not entirely clear. Um, but, you know, essentially, at the height of the pandemic, which was, you know, I don't know when we're going to say that was, but uh, when we were going through the worst of times, obviously, masks in health and social care settings, but... Uh, but the, the reasoning for masks in schools is apparently it reduces absence rates. But if you look at the UK government's report done over the uh, autumn term... It's unconclusive evidence that masks actually have any effect mm. because we only saw from autumn term the absences when masks were introduced fell by only 0.5% or something ridiculously small. It's very, very insignificant. We don't know whether that was just normal winter viruses, normal winter colds, normal winter illnesses, or from COVID. It was very negligible. And actually 80% of students said they found it was harder to communicate and was hard to understand in class. So we're seeing a detriment to our education. I really don't understand why it's being pushed. It frankly doesn't make sense for education, especially now we're living with COVID and school children are the least likely uh, group, really, to see any ill effect from COVID. I, 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 fail, I fail to see it, I thought, yes. Well, waiting times for child mental health services are not acceptable, says the Minister for um, Department of Health and Social Care. That was an issue raised by another of the MHKs, Robert Castanamalu, um, Tim Glover, which, you know, is... I completely agree and it has been described as shocking and completely unacceptable with um, the average current waiting time 217 days for a child uh, whereas for an adult it's uh, two weeks um, or or a three week wait Um, hopefully they can tackle this and and bring it down Um, obviously since the pandemic and I'm sure that these, you know, figures have have boosted up, um, and hopefully we can uh, we can tackle this. Yes, hopefully. I, th- I think that it is that that was quite uh, the difference, really, in, in, in weight. Yeah, I think I agree. It's, it's something which is quite an interesting disparity. Well, very good. Um, of course, coming up this year on the Isle of Man pending would be the TT um, so the mountain road is going to be closed for six weeks which is always an interesting point uh, the mountain road seems to get a lot of uh, work done when down south our roads are 
utterly shocking. awful. It's shocking quality. It just shows and we see Douglas MHK is complaining about a little, very, very minor thing on road surfacing. And that gets fixed. In week, two weeks, get fixed. Just like that, just, just fixed. And then down here, my road, for example. I, well, there's roads I drive on every day. The amount of potholes where you have to drive one side of the road and up on up on the sides, then swerve back and go round them, otherwise you end up damaging your rims. It gets, it's, it's ridiculous road problems. Well, I mean... In what the... do we pay our tax for? <laughs> yeah, what do we, Archibald? And um, that was a question raised by Stu Peters a number of months ago, which is where does the money for the road tax, you know, for or car tax or whatever, where does it go? Does it actually go for replacing the roads? But an interesting point is that I'm pretty sure it was in the budget last year, and obviously you were... Hmm. You were... Uh, political commentator of the day of the release of the budget there was money i'm pretty sure um uh, allocated to resurfacing the road which is probably it's the i think it's called the the a1 or whatever on the alaman i'm not sure but it's one of the, the mm. it is probably the one of the key roads which is from road island roundabout in douglas uh, just outside of Douglas, going all the way down to just before the airport in the south, which yeah, is, yes. at the moment, the most probably one of the most appalling main roads on the island. Is it? I've not noticed anything bad about it. Are like, you kidding I'm me? Not, I haven't really noticed anything awful. Compared to all the roads I drive, it's it's, okay. it's like it's like a knife, hot knife going through butter. Yeah. Compared to all the well, roads I drive. Probably the best road on the south is probably uh, going along Shore Road, Gansey. Yes, and, and, and the new resurfaced slock. That's yes, good, and uh, a little chunk um, by the Colby level. That's quite good. Uh, not very. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> the car, the car, the parked cars make oh, it absolutely yes, but that's nightmare. Not, that's not but yes, or, I think but, I think we should we should move on to my my the new oh yes aspects. So Oliver, where do you want? Oh Christ, there's there's, there's music playing here. Which should uh. play. So, what role do you want to take on this week? Do you want to quiz me, or do you want should I quiz you? Well, I think you should, since it's your new Since it's thing, my one. And obviously, I have been trying to avoid questions this week. <laughs> I can carry on doing so. Oh, great. I get, I, oh. these are, these are, the answer is to try and avoid these questions and the follow-ups which come. And we're, we're, getting, we're getting some points and getting some not quite points. And next week, we shall reverse the roles. I feel that uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure. All right, Frank, we need your answer. I'd say yes. Uh, some game show music coming please, here. Final answer. We're saying B. Frank, that's the right answer. That's what happens when you get a right answer on the Pillars of Babble game show, uh, coming from a uh, some of Pasco's game show for Max Radio. I don't know what on earth that was. Oh wow! Uh, I just typed game show music into Myriad, but yes, Oliver, D- did it sound good? Unfortunately, it did. I don't have headphones. Yes, so. yes unfortunately, Oliver ah. doesn't have headphones. So, Oliver, imagine you're a what type of politician do you want to be? What type of politician yeah. do I want to be? Um, in, in what in what sense? You know. Uh, well, what what side of the scale do you want to fall on? Just so I know where to put my questions. Okay, questions I'd say for. pretty much centre. Let's say a Liberal Democrat MP yeah, then, yeah. Oliver. Right. So Oliver, illegal immigrants break the law. If illegal immigrants did break the law, shouldn't they be deported? Um, I I don't think that. So am I trying to avoid? Yes, you're trying to avoid the question um, to give such a vague well, response, which no, which looks like you did answer the question. So I'm sorry that one of you failed the first round. Well, um, I do believe that I failed the first round. <laughs> I'm um, joking. You, you got um, it. Yeah. So if so, illegal immigrants broke the law, shouldn't they be deported? 
Well, I think uh, what we're current. Can I talk in a hypothetical sense? You know. Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Oliver has now failed the first round. So we move on. Do you favour the death penalty? I'm trying. I'm trying to hard. I'm trying to um, say really that um, you know what we're doing at the moment with with prisons in the UK is a currently great job. Uh, we are providing uh, more people uh, into back into society, and uh, we are taking harsher punishments away and trying to get people back into their normal normal livelihoods and. Uh, reducing uh, re-offending rates and... Isn't the uh, government through its new policy in the Crime Policing Bill increasing harsher punishments for crime? Well, what we're trying to do at the moment is to um, help our... our, our um, are tough crimes that um, we currently experience um, that many of our uh, our citizens in, in this world are, are currently facing and we do have to, unfortunately punish um, the tough crimes but not in the hardest sense uh, that you may have been talking about earlier but if you're looking at punishment you're talking about prison there aren't prisons in a bad state at the moment we see women's prisons especially where people are giving birth and having miscarriages and stillborn babies and having very poor mental support after that rather traumatic experience Sorry, could you uh, re repeat that question there? Unfortunately, again? Oliver, I think you're, you're misunderstanding. You're a Liberal Democrat MP, not a government MP. You should be thrashing the government on this issue. Uh, but yes, in it's interesting. You've done a rather good job at that round on. Well, prisons. I was trying to, you know, yeah, yes, I forget yes, for a sense yes, that. Yes. Uh... So now pretend you're a Conservative MP. Oh, right, you're okay. part of the government. This makes oh, I'm it, very good at doing this that. Makes it, this makes it uh, more fun, yeah. So. Because energy prices are rising, cost of living is rising, inflation is rising, shouldn't you, shouldn't we, rise the minimum wage? Well, what I believe we are currently doing is creating more jobs. We've got the fastest growing G7 uh, in, 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 you know, the fastest growing economy in the G7. Uh, we are providing uh, more hospitals uh, for, our, for, for, for the nation. We've got uh, more police officers on the street than we've ever had before. And we're doing a fantastic job in doing so. I question um, you out there. You say we have more police officers on the street than ever before. Isn't it true that the Tory government cut many thousands of police... Of thousands of police officers, uh, over 20,000 police officers in 2010 with the austerity measures, and we're not yet back to that rate of police officers on the streets well, fighting crime. We're currently recruiting as many as we can, and uh, we're, we're currently driving forward our recruitment process and training them up to be by around uh, 2025. Well, we should have. And that how much would this cost? Um, this, <laughs> well, I don't want to do a Diane Abbott here, but uh, for um, I, I reckon about 100. 100 uh, to 150 million. Interesting. Archie, Archie said you don't have I'm just doing the maths here. Yeah, I, I literally don't have a clue, you know. <laughs> so uh. you'll be paying them, Oliver? 7,500. 7,500 pounds a year. 7,500 a year for. 20,000 police officers, Oliver. Unfortunately, I have to say you have done them Diane Abbott there. But I give you kudos because that round was actually quite good. And now we come on to the final oh, round. Gosh, there's more rounds. We I'm come, loving this. We come to the, the, the final round. <sighs> the pressure's on, guys. 
Did you attend a Downing Street party on the 20th of May? Well, as I have to say, on the 20th of May, am I still part of the Conservative Party yeah. here? Yeah. You know, um, on, on the 20th of May, I was conducting um, very important constituency work, um, which required me to be um, at my uh, residential home in my constituency. Unfortunately, I wasn't based uh, in Westminster at the time. Then why um, were pictures pictured of you entering Downing Street on the 20th of May? Well, I have to say... With a suitcase. Um, on the 20th Very of May, Well, on the 20th of May, in the morning of 20th of May, I went to go see the Prime Minister on a very important issue uh, which was needing to be raised and I needed to consult the Prime Minister. Uh, I'm not sure what time of, of but day... But you, you weren't seen reappearing to... Uh, at least 3am the next morning out the gate with a tie undone. Well, I have to say that uh, these uh, this is strictly not true. At the time, I was abiding all COVID measures. You know, I um, w- was working very hard for my constituents. The uh, the COVID restrictions... Uh, all I can say, that's all we have time for, Minister. I'm sorry, sorry. We'll see the, the lovely pictures in the papers tomorrow morning. Oh, absolutely. I think that we should we should bring that back. I I quite enjoy seeing but, how Oliver can avoid the question. But the sense is, I we're playing it in a yeah, yeah right trivial manner. Right. Your turn next week. But the thing is, it, what we've got, we've got, you have to be careful because we must answer the question, but not answer the question. Yes, which is difficult. I think we will. Have I done? Did I do an okay job? Is, at it, that? is it an okay job? Yes. 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 Well, Although I think I think I've devised some sort of point scoring system for next week. We're trialling it. Okay, okay. Uh, yes, it makes a bit more fun than uh, what, what did we have before? In the historical figure of the week or whatever. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll do then the current issues of the day based off some other politicians' interviews midweek. I think that would be quite entertaining. Yes. So anything you want to add? Not particularly. Um, you know, coming up, um, we're going to be hopefully a bit more active on our social media account, definitely, and sort of laying out where we're going. And obviously, if you want to be a guest, get in, get in touch. And we'll um, try and get you on. We'll be speaking, hopefully, and trying to get if some not, we guests on the show. Virtual, virtual, um, virtual reality. But we will sort of get a a, a schedule of, of the current weeks coming up. In the Zuckerberg metaverse, obviously. Absolutely. Yes. Um, we'll definitely get that sorted. But in the meantime, you can go back and look at any of our... Uh, previous podcasts i know archie definitely knows where he, where they are they're at manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash politibabble that's manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash politibabble or you can find them on all uh streaming um services uh i, I assume that's right podcasting platforms that's the correct terminology um well thank you for listening thank you for listening you've been politibabbled